0: On ABC Radio,
1: this is The Big Fish
0: with Scott Levi.
1: Ahoy there, welcome aboard another edition of The Big Fish. And coming up, you're going to meet a fantastic fisherwoman who loves to do it all herself. She loves to catch fish, but she makes the rods, she makes the lures, she makes the flies. She's even wired the electric boat for a big electric boat bass tournament coming up in Queensland. She'll be on the water by about now. I caught up with her early in the week. It's Laurie Anderson from the Women's Recreational Fishing League with our first cast this morning on The Big Fish. Laurie Anderson, National Treasurer of the WRFL. No, it's not a football competition. It's the Women's Recreational Fishing League. Welcome to The Big Fish. Thank you. Laurie, appreciate you having me. Yeah, good to talk to you, and look, we'll talk fishing in just a bit. But I think the WRFL and, and all the women now that, that are participating and in the chat groups and in the events are realising that there's a lot more to fishing than just fishing. Is that what this sort of independence does for you?
2: Oh, without a doubt. are um, the sort of bring-a-friend fishing-type organisation. Um, is is out there and and there's many of fantastic organizations around the country but the wrfl is is taking where you put the rod over the over the side and hope to catch fish to actually getting us up to being um sporting anglers so we cover off you know everything backing boats um wiring boats we've got fishing charter um, operators that are female it's it covers the full spectrum of the, the fishing industry.
1: Yeah, I, I think many men with good intentions have, have done everything uh, to, to get women I- into fishing, but that's been the problem, hasn't it?
2: Well, the old story is, you know, if you, you listen to a couple go out on the water or, you know, around a barbie and someone tried to teach them fishing, their spouse, it just opens up World War Three. Whereas if you've got someone independent teaching them about being on the water and everything that it encompasses, it just tends to um, come across a little bit better. You know, we, we joke with um, you know men who my husband does it to me all the time it, it drives me mad where um, you're trying to back a trailer and they do the fingers spinning in the air and it's like, yeah whoopee, you know that's great but which way am I supposed to turn the wheel?
1: <laughs> what um, does that mean? I thought that was <laughs> something to do with driving a crane you know bring the lift up take the helicopter away. What does spinning your finger in the air mean when you're backing a trailer? Go back further.
3: Yeah, well, um,
2: the way we sort of think versus the way men think um, can be very different. So spinning your finger in the air, we don't, it just doesn't register. So, um, i yeah, tell you what, only... you know,
1: backing a trailer is something you've got to learn. If you're going to be an independent fisherwoman, it's so important is it i, I think the best oh. tip a, a, an old fella gave me was it whatever mirror gets big in you turn towards that that was probably something that okay. straightened yep. me right out you're looking in your mirrors when you see the boat get big um you turn towards it straight away absolutely worth gold i'm really quick mm. on the on the boat ramp now and it's really scary on the boat ramp uh first time isn't it because people are sometimes lined up they're all watching you they they're, they're hoping there's a disaster, uh, you know, <laughs> it's really stressful.
3: It is,
2: it is. And when you're sort of, um, you know, you're reversing, um, you know, a bass boat where, you know, you're looking at over hundred plus thousand dollars worth of, of gear, it makes it even more um, terrifying. So, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> boat ramps can be a source of entertainment and a source of terror,
1: now you do it all don't you Uh, take us through your fishing journey it's been a very long one um and obviously it's your mobility and things have changed as well but back Mm. in the day you were selected for the new zealand open not women's but open fly fishing team is that right
2: yeah yeah that's right yes and i stupidly didn't take the opportunity still kicking myself over that one um So for me, I was born and bred in New Zealand on the Tongariro um, Lake Taupo, which is just such a beautiful waterway with so many different options to fish. And um, I was very fortunate that my parents, and particularly my dad, but both my parents, um, fly fished as well. So from a very early age of you know sort of six or seven, I was fly fishing Um, and tying tying flies as part of it as well able to see what the hatch was on the water. I learned from a very early age to to match the hatch and actually go back, try the fly that the fish were actually eating, go back fish again and you know, catch the fish. So my exposure to the fishing was, was quite broad actually, but it didn't really cross over into the saltwater until I came to Australia. Go figure, some of the best saltwater fishing um, in New Zealand, you know, chasing the Kingies and so on, and I moved to Australia and start chasing them over here. But, um, yes, I sort of went from being, um, you know, just a social angling. I always love being around the water for me. It's, a, 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 you know, sort of calming. That's um, sort of my Zen place, I guess, to then getting into the idea of um, competition fishing. So I started with the Yak Hunters, doing kayaking. Um, unfortunately, my body decided that um, it wasn't liking that idea. And now I've moved into the boating world. So I cut my teeth a couple of years ago at the ABT bass. Um, had the experience of being on Matty Langford's boat, which was just an amazing experience to be on his boat for the for the day. And then now I'm into family bass. And um, this weekend, I'm well, today I'm preparing to leave up to the Australian Electric Tour, um, thanks to Bluefin, um, Mercury Motor Guide and Garmin, who are our sponsors. So, yes, I've sort of done doing the full journey and haven't stopped learning yet.
1: We're speaking with Laurie Anderson, who's a part of the Women's Recreational Fishing League, off to an event in Queensland, and, and you've got a very special boat, for that event, and you talk about yeah. the women women doing it for themselves. You've actually wired that that boat. It's the the new, um, it's the really the the green future of, of uh, recreational angling, by the sound of it.
2: It is. It's quite strange for for being a little bit of a petrol head um, and loving motors. We've um, mercury has come on board and given us the new um, avatar. So we're starting out with a seven and a half horsepower. On a um, J410 Bluefin hull. Thank you, Bluefin, which is a fantastic hull, um, very very accommodating. It's a modular product, so you can drop in what you need um, when you purchase the product, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, so yes, me and one of the other members of the organisation took to um, wiring it up. So that was um, that's been. Entertaining, to say the least. I've I've learnt what red wire means and blue wire and <laughs> black wire and what what to cross and what not to cross. Uh, so where are, you, are where are you
1: fishing it? Where are you taking it?
2: We're heading up to Maroon Dam up in um, in Queensland. So uh, tonight will be um, I'm heading for Clarence. So I'm going to do a sneaky little fishing trip tomorrow morning, hopefully, on um, at Yamba and sort of put the boat through its paces doing pontoon-style fishing. This weekend we'll be, um, yeah, we're at Maroon.
1: Wow. What do you know about Maroon Dam? I know you've been pre-fishing at uh, Glenbourne to get your eye in. Is it similar to Glenbourne in some ways? or
2: um, it... No, it will, be, it will probably be quite different. Um, I haven't fished Maroon, and to be honest, I haven't even seen Maroon. Um, apart from doing the
1: the normal YouTube. Oh yeah, and it's Google beautiful. It. It's, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? I'm just looking uh-huh. at it on YouTube now. It's all um, lots of lily pads and beautiful sort of uh, forest-clad hills all yeah. around, and lots of trees. It's not one of those ugly dams with with literal scars, you know, with those some of those water supply dams that have that big um, water level fluctuation yeah. that kills all the vegetation. It looks. Looks really fishy, and, and it will be nice and warm for the bass too. They love love the warm water, don't they? So, um, what what are some of the the presentations you'll be f- throwing at them?
2: So the the plan um, will be attacking top water. Um, like you said, there's lily pads right around the dam. So the good old frogs um, are going to come out um, and throw those on on top water to start, unweighted with um, worm hooks. And then from there we'll do um, sort of parallel, just to see where the fish are sitting in that lily pad slash weed. So we'll throw probably some crankbait style or soft plastic minnows. And then from there we'll go out to the um, the chatter chatter baits and the spinner baits. I've heard that it's um, it's a dam for for that around structure, particularly sort of the the trees, which is the style of fishing that I. I love to be honest that, that cast when sight casting um, I guess it's the the old talpo days coming out of me,
1: yeah, fantastic stuff it it 's uh, really a great way of, of hunting fish isn 't it, and oftentimes those surface frogs with the the weedless hooks just get absolutely uh, obliterated, you know annihilated <laughs> by the by the big big bass it, it's fabulous um what about fly fishing for them you're in in a good spot, um, particularly wintertime, uh, the, the fly fishing club that I've been involved in uh, heads up to St. Clair. And, you know, once you find those those schooling fish in wintertime, you can really catch some great fish. I know it's sort of on intermediate or, or sinking lines, which isn't mm. quite as much fun as the surface stuff, but um, there is some good fly fishing for bass ar- around your neck of the woods in the Hunter Valley.
2: Oh, without a doubt. Um, there's a good reason why they're called the freshwater marlin. Um Pound for pound, they just absolutely are fantastic on fly um, just yeah, they just monster you, they really do it's a great great sport um sight casting on fly um, yeah you know, is always entertaining seeing it come off the water, but like you said, you know they do get down into that intermediate type thing, but when they hit that fly, um you know you're connected.
1: So, and you, you build your own rods and, and modify and make lures. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the whole box and dice, isn't it? You're not just sort of a passenger when it comes to fishing. You're, you're right into it. Uh, is yeah. that something that the Women's Recreational Fishing League encourages?
2: Look, we encourage any sort of facet of... We've got um, people that make um, jerseys like your, your clothing, your sunproof gear. We're just about embracing whatever path that you want to do. So for some, it's clothing; others, it's just enjoying being on the water. Others are very much into the competitive realm. It, yeah, it's it's a space that's, um, I guess, the wording is safe. It's non-judgmental. Um, the the chat groups. There's so much um, out there on Facebook where you can get into these these chat rooms for fishing. And so many get ridiculed. You ask a simple question, and next minute you get some, you know, warrior that, keyboard warrior that loves to shoot you down. We're our environment. If you do that, that's it, you're out. There's no warnings. But but the environment is very free when um, asking questions and learning. It's a great leveler. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is. When people get together and start talking fishing, it's like the rest of the world just dissipates. And it's just a common common theme um you would have experienced that with some of some of your adventures as well that you know you've got doctor lawyer baker um you know in a in a fishing environment, it doesn't matter what you do for a day job, it's all about the passion of being on the water, and I think that's a really special thing is the um the community
1: yes i absolutely agree i mean you know someone once said why is fishing so important? And and the, the fisher person said, well, it's not, you know, but all the other things that you worry about are just as uh, unimportant. Mm. <laughs> it's a, just a, a passion. It's something that brings us together that we love. And there's a lot of conservation in, in what you do as well. Um, I, I saw the other day on the chat, people had these um, little basic lure bodies and, uh, you know, you can. I didn't realize you could buy them. You can um, paint them in the colours mm. you need to match the hatch sort of thing of, of uh, cicadas and stuff. It was really cool. There's so much you can do uh, or not do. You can just go and get a mm. guide and sit in the back of a boat if you want, or you can do it all like you're, you're doing. We're speaking with Laurie Anderson from the uh, Women's Recreational Fishing League. This event up at Maroon Dam, um, how does that operate? Uh, what's the story? And there's another thing It's like a state of origin for fishing too, called The Gauntlet that the women are involved in too. There's some interesting stuff happening. We've gone from zero to a hundred when it comes to uh, <laughs> women being involved in uh, these these sort of catch and release tournaments, haven't we? Brim and bass.
2: Yes. So um, this weekend is the Australian Electric Tour. So we cover a number of dams um, and waterways. Predominantly Queensland we do come down into to New South Wales. So it's um, similar to the uh, ABT, um, and very similar in layout for the tournament, but um, it's electric, so there's no um, no petrol involved. So that's that's probably the, the key difference.
1: Wow! Locked so you've got riding. a big. Like, everyone knows about the, the brilliant electric um, trolling motors with the spot lock and you know the mm. electronic anchor and and all of that. they they're just the best thing ever in fishing. But they're not doing all the hard work, I guess, to get you from spot to spot. You've got also a big electric motor on the back. Is that right?
2: Well, that, that's the really unique thing about our boat is we've got the first release um, from Mercury with their new electric range. So the idea is that we're putting that through its paces in a competition environment rather than just a, a social, everyday type fishing how so do you charge it? At,
1: how do you charge it at Maroon Dam when you're in that beautiful bush camping environment out at this lovely, um, you know, wild impoundment? Uh, how do you how do you charge her up solar panels or something? Or what's the yeah, story? Yeah,
2: um, we're using. We've actually come back out. We're staying in town this um, this trip. Um, the dam's actually the accommodation section. Unfortunately, has um, closed while we're there. They take holidays this time of year. But um, we take generators as well with us if we need to for fishing in, in remote areas. Um, we've got solar as well, but the, the batteries can be charged. They take about four hours to, to charge. So quite quite quick turnaround and charging them within sessions. And
1: okay. could you fish all day with that?
2: Yeah. The plan is that um, we should get about six hours running from them. And that's what we're really looking forward to testing on the water this weekend is to see um, the longevity of the motor and the amount of power and speed that it moves the boat through the water. It's going to be really interesting. It's all going to be filmed and put up on the WRFL YouTube site for the adventures on the water.
1: I guess it just also charts a course for what the future will bring. We know that fossil fuels are being phased out. We know Mm. that that we're going to have to... Do this. So if we see someone doing it and there's not too much trouble, it it makes us all breathe a bit of a sigh of relief, really, doesn't it?
2: Well, definitely. The um, the other benefit of it is the outboard motor itself. I can lift one handed. Now I've got bad back problems, um, bad knees, so I, I struggle to lift anything heavy, and I can actually carry that motor one handed. So there's not many outboards out there that you could say that you carry one handed. Um, so it just opens up the flexibility um, in water that you can just take your outboard off and walk it into the house to store it. um,
1: Wow, it's going to be really interesting to see how you go at the all-electric event. I'm sure the Queenslanders would be uh, red-hot favourites in their own backyard. It's just sort of inland of the Gold Coast, really, isn't it?
2: It is, it is, and there's been a fair bit of banter over the last sort of week Um, you mentioned the real gauntlet so the WRFL has spent a lot of time and energy into a digital app where we've benchmarked um, fish in different states so we've got 50 species in each state and we've designed it like a um, a football um, round so each each month we compete against a different state to earn points and we've done it for females and, and men can join us as well um, we 've got some amazing sponsors with over twelve thousand dollars worth of prizes um, around the country. Footy jerseys are all designed um, so you fishing for your state so the beauty of it is digital so if you go and catch a meter barra up north, but then you catch like a seventy centimeter um, flathead down here, which is you know still a getting into a trophy type fish. the scoring's exactly the same so we're done a lot of work with the the science around what is classed as a trophy fish and the points balance out. So it's completely even. Um, So the banter over the last week leading up to this tournament is, yeah, that we're raiding the Queensland border um, to catch their fish to score points for New South Wales.
1: (laughs) Do they count across the border?
2: Yeah, they do, because it's the same. um, (laughs) It's bass and bass, so um,
1: yeah. Yeah, Mind they, you, uh, you've got some great bass fisheries in your backyard, St. Clair and, and Glenbourne and of course all, all all of the river systems of the, the Hunter too and yeah. um, there's some t- cracking rivers, the Williams River um, don't want to give away too yeah, many the spots hunter to the, as well. the Hunter's good, yeah, up up in the Hunter's yeah. great, um, so well good luck with it, it's, it's wonderful what's happening if people want to know more just uh, type in Australia's Real Gauntlet or the Women's Recreational Fishing League and it's still not too late to be part of it and lots no. of tips and lots of support and lots of help for, for women to uh, get right into fishing, not just to scratch the surface, but to, to make their own gear or to wire their own boat, as Laurie Anderson yeah. has done. Hey, tight lines, Laurie. Let us know how you go yes. at Maroon Dam. and Will do. Uh, Hopefully you won't be marooned up there.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, I like the pun. Thank uh, you so much for your time today.
1: And hopefully we'll catch up soon and uh, good luck to all the women participating.
2: Fantastic. Thanks very
1: much for your time. It's the Big Fish and Laurie Anderson there from the Women's Recreational Fishing League who's uh, part of the the big event. They're uh, getting stuck into it as we speak this morning. The Bass Electric Tour commences a 2024 series with a launch at Maroon Dam this morning. A very popular electric location due to the dam size offering excellent opportunities for electric boats to fish the opens or the far reaches or right up against the bank and in the bungee and the the beautiful lily pads where the bass hide, fantastic place to catch Australian bass, but also uh, golden perch, silver perch, and the rare and elusive Merry River Cod, which, of course, is totally protected. You can let them go. It's a a great thing, isn't it, that fisher folk are getting into these impoundments. Oftentimes, they're shared uh, water supply impoundments, but using electric motors or human power, paddle power, uh, with the great fishing kayaks and whatnot, is a wonderful way to open up more places to fish in regional New South Wales. Many of our impoundments are locked away for fear of pollution. But if people aren't using polluting fuels and electric motors are used, then it's it's safe for all concerned. And, and all of a sudden, we've got extra places to fish. There's a big movement now to make many of the water supply dams available to people in New South Wales that are terrific fisheries, but closed off due to the, the danger of contamination. But if we're using electrics, like uh, Laurie and the crew up there at Maroon, or uh, Pedal Power or Paddle Power, then uh, it might open up some more great bass fishing and native fish opportunities around New South Wales as well. So it's a good trend. The Bass Electric Tour commencing this morning at Maroon Dam. We'll get an update next week for you.
0: A most progressive fishmonger has moved into our street. His name is Harry Mullet. The kids think it's a treat to stand outside his shop and hear him shout at passers-by... There's romance in me, Fishing Chips! So won't you come and try some? Fish and chips in an old newspaper, reading with the one that you adore. Two hands linger, dipping in the paper, who could ask for more? Give away those soda fountains, pass right by their doors. You'll find fish and chips more fun than staring over two old straws. Fish and chips in an old newspaper, reading with the one that you adore. Two hands linger, dipping in the paper, who could ask for more? Hey, Harry, have you ever been fishing? Yes, I once caught a 200-pound tuna, but I had to throw it back. Throw it back? Why did you throw back a 200-pound tuna? Because it was a piano tuna. <laughs> fishing chips in an old newspaper, eating with the one that you adore. Two hands lingered, dipping in the paper, who could ask for more? Hey, where's me ironed? Right over here. Oh, well, keep chopping away at them chips. Keep chopping, keep chopping, I say. Why should I keep chopping? Because there's only a few more chopping days to Christmas. (laughs) Fish and chips in an old newspaper, eating with the one that you adore. Two hands lingered, dipping in the paper. Who could ask for more? Hey, my old man was in the wholesale fish business. Go on, how did he get on? I don't know, we could never get close enough to him to ask him.
2: <laughs>
0: Fish and chips in an old newspaper, eating with the one that you adore. Two hands linger, dipping in the paper, who could ask for more? Hey you kids, go on, get out of the shop, go on, hop it! Harry, that's not very kind, chasing those little children out of the shop. After all, they didn't write your material. I know, but they spilt tomato sauce on me tablecloth, and I haven't read it yet. Fish and chips in an old newspaper, eat them with the one that you adore. Two hands linger, dipping in the paper, who could ask for more? Give away those soda fountains, pass right by their doors. You'll find fish and chips more fun than staring over two old straws. Oh, fish and chips in an old newspaper, eat them with the one that you adore. Two hands linger, dipping in
1: the paper, who could ask? On ABC Radio, it's The Big Fish with Scott Levi. Coming up, Stinker's been attacked by the sharks. Well, his bait has. And also, he wades into the Groper debate. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio.
0: Here comes Stinker with his fish and tips, some hot advice. For your
3: fishing
0: trip Where to find them What's the bait
3: Are you catching any, mate?
1: Morning, Stinker Hey, day, Scott There's been a lot of talk about sharks lately on the big fish and in all of the media Did you see any sharks when you were at Broughton Island?
3: Oh, yeah, plenty There's plenty of sharks up there There's no shortage of sharks around Broughton Island I, um they can, when you hook a shark, oh dear me, they're tenacious. It's like when we were fishing and there were a surround, boat was surrounded by kingfish, they're all mixed up with sharks. So, no matter whether you hooked a shark or a kingfish, you're in for the ride of your life. But it's interesting, you know, because the sharks, well, I don't know, what would they be? Five foot long, probably. Um, yeah about as long as yeah that's right And but when you get them near the boat assuming they don't bite you off because you've just got nylon line there's every chance in the world that uh, they'll just bite you off and keep going now, that's what happens most of the time but if you've got them in the lift, um, well around and around they go around the boat and everything else and then they get near the boat and that's when you start to think well okay what am I going to do with this thing Am I, am I going to bring it into the boat or am I going to break the line and let it go? Well, the, who I was with, the mate that I was with, said, oh, let's catch it. Have you got a donger? Oh, a donger? No, I said, no, I don't carry dongers in the boat. <laughs> Have you got a gaff? No, I haven't got a gaff either. So how are we going to get this five-foot to six-foot shark out of the water into the boat? And I said, well, look, I can't make any great suggestion, but there's a landing
4: Now,
3: landing nets and five foot sharks just don't go together As you
1: well know, Scott Yes, well, the famous story of of you and my dear old dad Who uh, got a nice school shark on And they they are terrific to eat, small sharks They're a really nice nice white fillet Very easy to clean and uh, just a bit hard to catch And uh, you tried to get it in your big net, didn't you? It, It caused a bit of trouble
3: well, a bit of trouble. The shark just kept going straight through the net and took all the net with it, and left us with the frame—the frame of the frame of the net. It was a silly idea in the first place, but it took the frame, the the net, and and then we were left standing there. It was like a tennis racket with no strings, <laughs> and the and the and the line went through it and out the other side. But what I did in that case, and that was a few years ago is that is we got the shark closer to the boat, and as it swam past, I lean over and grab it by the tail. Now, you use the momentum of the shark moving forward, uh, and then you swing. <laughs> you swing the shark with its forward momentum, and with any luck at all, well, some call it good luck or bad luck, the shark lands in the boat. Well, This is what I tried to do in Broughton last week. Um, But fortunately, the line cracked and and the shark swam away. It was a pretty big shark, closer to six foot than five foot. But I was just about to grab it by the tail anyway. But the one I did grab by the tail previously, and I pulled it out of the water, well, they don't think that's very funny. They can't see the funny side of that, those sharks. And when they get in the boat, do they put on a performance? Your tackle box flies up in the air, and your torch goes up in the air, and anything else that's loose. Oh dear, oh dear. And, and then you've got to wrestle it. You've got to jump on it and and wrestle it until it sort of sees things your way. But uh, like you say, Scott, they're good to eat. And of course, there's no bones. There's no bones in the shark. So they're great. Um, they're really great to eat, a, a school shark.
1: They are indeed. They are indeed. I just don't want to go too big because they do accumulate the mercury. But I, I was thinking of that shark that went barreling straight through the big net. It was like when they used to make the lions jump through the hoop at the circus. It was a very similar <laughs> was. thing, wasn't
3: it? It was. It went straight through it. Oh, look, that was hilarious. I must admit. Um, yeah. So it, and there was a lot of sharks. I also saw sharks. Just knifing through the water, bigger sharks, maybe up to, oh, maybe up to eight foot, um, and they were just knifing through. And it's quite an eerie scene on a really glassy sea uh, to see a shark fin, just knife a black shark fin triangle, knife through the water because it really it cuts the surface and without a ripple. And, oh, dear, it uh, it sends a chill through your spine. Um, And then the tail fin will come out occasionally. So you'll see both the fins and then the the tail swaying backward and forward. And the shark, not concerned at all about my presence, it just swam past. I actually chased it or followed it very slowly at the same pace that the shark was swimming. I motored along beside it. And it didn't give two It I think it might have looked at me once or twice, but that's about it.
1: Yeah. You do feel a bit more confident when the water's clear, when, when sharks are about. i never forget our mate Mark McElhone, the, the famous uh, Spearow. Um, we were breaking up urchins to feed the, the groper at North Island of Broughton Island. We are just in the water, on the, just on the edge of the island there. And uh, while we are in the water, he told me a story that wanted me to get out of the water uh, that he was spearfishing there at North Island and uh, looked up, he, f- he felt a presence, and looked up, and a really big, great white just slowly cruised over the top of him. Didn't appreciate him telling me that while we're feeding the the tame groper there, uh, the innards of a of a sea urchin. They love sea urchins, don't don't they? Stinker those those grouper, they're b- beautiful fish. Lots and lots of them on the reef now. It's it's great to see. Oh
3: yeah, well they've made a massive recovery, of course, since. Oh, what was it, um, sixty nine. Yeah,
1: 1969,
3: when when um, Graper w- was banned from spearfishing because Graper are a very inquisitive fish. And they'll pretty much, or well, not all of them, the smart ones aren't inquisitive, but the ones that are that are just a bit um, curious, they'll come close and uh, it's not a good idea to swim close to a spearfishman. But after 19... Uh, 19- 69, uh, that was banned completely. And then in the 80s, it was banned, uh, commercial sale of Groper was banned in the 1980s. So since then, which is 40, 50, 60 years ago, um, uh, there's been um, really, uh, there's been a massive recovery of groper, which has been great to see. I think they're beautiful fish.
1: Yeah, you see them every time you're on on the reef now having a a snorkel out out around your your area, don't you? Although there have been a couple of incidents that have really upset people. But I I think the people who are spearing them and then taking photos, um, I know ignorance is no excuse, but I don't think they know that that you can't do it. I think, uh, you know, that there's been some sort of uh, breakdown in communication and getting the message across. Because if you're going to be standing on the rocks uh, with all of the horrified swimmers around saying, Mate, you can't shoot that. Taking a photo and thinking, you beauty, I've just got a lovely fish. Um, it might be a, a, an education issue, Stinker, because everybody knows you can't spear them, excepting a couple of people recently who, uh, who did do it. it. It's created a, a big, uh, big reaction from the, uh, the fisheries minister.
3: Well, you know what? I feel sorry for the person that actually speared the fish, because they're obviously done without any knowledge. And being an ed- educator throughout my life, you can educate until you're blue in the face, but there are still people who don't hear the message for one reason or another. Maybe they've never heard it. Maybe they weren't listening. But that'll always happen. Just because you educate doesn't mean every 100% of people are going to do what you're told. That just doesn't happen. Um, but so I feel particularly sorry. Well, for I think
1: if it was something that was going to be, you know, covert and someone deliberately doing something illegal, they wouldn't pose for photos and hold it up in the middle of the day with hundreds of people around them.
3: That's that's my point. Uh, it was totally unaware. And that's why I feel sorry for the person. Because, um, you know, one one minute you're feeling pretty proud of yourself and the next minute you're thinking, golly, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, but... What, of course, has been a result of all that has been very emotive, and there has been a knee-jerk re- uh, reaction from fisheries to completely ban the, the uh, catching of graper, blue griper, um on line. Well, I think you should maybe take a step back and just cool it for a little while and think, okay, just what was what would be the best decision. Realising that the big the blue groper, and remember it only turns blue when it's a male, large male, so it spends 99% of its life a different colour, <laughs> so it's not blue. It's an actually called an eastern blue groper. That's what it is. But an eastern blue groper can be one of any been about five different colours. So to, to put the ban on the eastern blue groper, you're putting the ban on all groper. doesn't matter what size and what colour, there's a ban on catching them. All right. Well, you might, the first question might you might ask is that an overreaction? Well, I think probably is. I think it probably is. I think it's emotive and, as I said, knee jerk. What I would have done is said, righto, uh, the big blue is an iconic um, fish and it's an emblem of our state, and we do want to look after it. I think we'd all agree on that. We're all pretty happy with that. That's not going to upset anybody. So, okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's find out at what stage of development that the grow par actually turns into a big blue. Now, that might be at 55, 60 centimetres. I've got no idea. Maybe the the scientists that we've got, we've got plenty of them, work it out. Give me something to do. Go and find out what, at what stage a grouper um, grows them into a into a blue grouper and that will protect the blue grouper. So then we say, let's say for instance at 65 centimetres. I, I don't know. But anyway, okay, any fish over 50 or over 60 centimetres must be released back into the water. That means all blue grouper will be released back in the water. However, what I would also say is that let 's retain the capture of two fish a day, which is what the current catch is of groper for fish that are not the the blue that we 're trying to protect because and I would only say that because I know that the numbers of uh, gropa are very healthy if it was a threat to the population of groper, I would support that um, decision. Completely. But it's not a threat because the, the numbers are
1: excellent. Yes, yeah, a very interesting discussion, Stinker. And our Big Fish listeners can always uh, weigh into it. They may agree or disagree. They can jump on our email, Fish at your.abc.net.au, and uh, have your say or even uh, talk directly to you, Stinker.
3: Yeah, they certainly can. Just uh, stinkerfishing at yahoo dot com. I enjoy getting your emails. That's all good. There's one thing else I would like to say. I reckon the happiest creature in the ocean, because of this decision, would be the rock crab.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. where you're going with this.
3: Yeah, people say, why would a rock crab be happy if the big blue if the blue grouper uh, and now not to be caught on a line. Well the reason is because the best bait to catch a groper is without doubt a rock crab. Now if you can't catch a groper, well no one's going to be scrambling over the rocks um <laughs> grabbing all these poor old rock crabs that run for their life every time they see someone coming and they'll be able to relax and they'll think, This is great. Um, you know, no more I can sleep I can Blink in that little crack or in that hole or the <laughs> pothole or in the rock pool without being caught by a fisherman who wants me for bait. Well, so I guess there's something positive coming out of it and uh, good put on the rock crowd, they need a bit of help along the line.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff, stinker. Tight lines, mate, we'll catch you next week on the big fish. Very Scott. Coming up next another brilliant fisherwoman, Kendall Kramer, in Coff's Harbor on the Big Fish. the team. the big fish, and Kendall Kramer from Coffs Harbour. Good morning.
4: Hello, how are we?
1: Yeah, going really well, Kendall. Gee, you've got some good fishing lined up. Tell us about the big event on the south coast coming up.
4: Oh, yeah, okay. So we have, we call it Floody X. It's our X tournament factors with the Women's Recreational Fishing League. So I'll be towing my boat down to Lake Conjola. Quite some trek. (laughs) Um, to go teach some women how to fish. Uh, And we we try to teach them a few things about floating and and basically bring people from not even being able to pick up a fishing rod to teaching them how to tournament fish. So as a mentor, I'll get three mentees over the two days of fishing. And we basically just share our knowledge and and fish together and, and try to take it out.
1: Now, Joe Starling from the Women's Recreational Fishing League and a big uh, regular on this show, a, a great fisherwoman, uh, fishes that area a lot. Have you fished Conjola much? You might have to pick Joe's brains.
4: Oh, mate, this is going to be my first time, but Joe's my competition, so she's probably not going to tell me a thing. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. We all share lots of information with each other.
1: (laughs) I reckon if you slip her a couple of libations the night before the tournament, I reckon she'll spill the beans. (laughs) Oh,
4: I'll have to find something, won't I?
1: Get her a bit of the truth serum. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What about uh, Flathead in your neck of the woods? uh, How do you get ready for a big event on the south coast when you're a Coffs Harbour fisherwoman born and bred where do you chase flatties around coughs
4: uh well we've got a beautiful river in yurunga uh, so that's about 15 minutes south of where i live and we have a competition that's run by yurunga angler club and i enter that every year so we do a little bit of fishing in that river for flutty and um that's a little bit of practice for us i suppose um i have toyed with the idea of entering the Gold Coast Classic, that'd be pretty fun too so that's my training ground is Yurunga River
1: My dear old grandfather, Dar used to, uh, when he was about 80, used to rent a, a little apartment just walking distance from the the beautiful flats there, the sandy blue water flats at Yurunga and you could virtually catch Flathead wading anywhere, it's really great habitat there uh, at the, the end of, of that River complex, isn't it? It's a beautiful spot yeah. to fish.
4: Oh, beautiful. There's most of the big girls that get caught in our comps in that in that tournament, are straight out front of the sailing club or just around the corner there, like the you know, they're not hard to find, but it's just finding what's biting. You don't know what they want at that point in
1: time. No, great flathead habitat there at at Yerunga. It really is an amazing spot. And what about uh, other fishing options around Coffs Harbour? I hear you had a a crack at the marlin the other day in a tournament?
4: Yeah, so aside from being the National Secretary of the Women's Recreational Fishing League, I'm also the Secretary of Coast Coast Game and Sport Fishing Club. So we held our annual undertow hot current um, three weeks ago now, and that's a billfish tournament. Like We've got some other categories for smaller pelagics and stuff like that but we are aiming for the billfish. So, yeah, we, we entered a boat, my dad and I and, and one of the other club members, and went out and had a crack. We, we had three strikes from three different marlin, and unfortunately, we just could not hook up. But there was a lot of marlin tugged that weekend and even more lost.
1: They can be frustrating, can't they, with that big big nose, that big bill in the way. It often gets in the way of a clean hookup.
4: Oh, you bet. It's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah
1: oh well at least you had a few strikes and and good to know they're all tagged and released they're great for for research aren't they what about some of the other options great inshore reefs for for uh snapper fishing off Coffs. a really good fishery isn't it a good and a good place to get out to sea at Coffs Harbour is quite easy it's so good um
4: you know like I've, I've I was born in Coffs and I grew up in Coffs I've never actually had to cross a bar in my whole life because I fish out of there and then also out of Woody Head, which is up just a little bit north, um, to Iluca, and um, straight out into the bay. So I've never actually had to cross a bar in my whole life. We're so lucky. And, yeah, a snapper fishing, honestly, my favourite type of fishing.
1: Isn't Woody Head just a beautiful place? It's, uh, I do a bit of longboard surfing, absolute mecca, a beautiful wave there and a beach that goes forever lots of national park, great beach fishing. You'll catch everything off the beach there, lots of little creeks. And those crossover species are pretty good there, the the, the ones that we expect to catch in the tropics, like uh, mangrove jack particularly. If you know where to go around Coffs, the mangrove jack fishing is very good.
4: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like uh, up at uh, Woody Head, we've uh, pulled up some species that you would think that were, you know, up on the swains. Like we've had... The Fusiliers and um, an emperor or two every now and then seem to find their way down here somehow. So, yeah, you just never know where you're going to pull up.
1: What about estuary fishing? Do you head down to the Nambucca or down to the Maclay or up to the rivers uh, further north, the the beautiful big rivers like the the Richmond and the Clarence? You've got uh, some great spots north and south of you there at Coffs as well.
4: Oh, we do, yeah. So we did a another X Factor tournament at Yamba, so in the Clarence, um, fishing for brim. Uh, That was a really, really good tournament, actually. We had a an awesome time. Stayed at the Blue Dolphin, Um, awesome place to stay. So yeah, we we did a lot there, and we hooked up to some jewfish and stuff like that as a bycatch on the brim tournament. And you know, like I've I've got a few mates that I work with and stuff like that, and we quite like to have a bit of a flick in the Bellinger and stuff for some bass and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of options that we can go out looking for different types of species in different river systems here. And then, as you say, out to sea as well, there's so much, so many options.
1: Yeah, great part of the world. And it's a bit of a shock when you're fishing light gear with tiny lures to lure bream and a, and a good mulloway grabs hold of it. That's pretty exciting.
4: Oh, yeah, no. And <laughs> it, uh, it towed the angler around for a little bit before she was able to actually land the thing so definitely it's it was unexpected but a, a good unexpected.
1: Well let's have a chat after the Lake Conjola event it's wonderful what the Women's Recreational Fishing League is doing really making uh, fishing accessible to women and, and uh, none of that mansplaining you do it all yourself.
4: <laughs> no, no that's it I quite often have you know, men standing next to me at the boat ramp and I quite often will go out on my own to see. And, uh, you know, they're, they're looking around, looking for a boyfriend and figuring out what's going on here and then they're a bit confused when I drive off on my own. And I'm like, well, when you don't have a, a man around, you've got to get out there and do it yourself if you want to get the job done.
1: Fantastic, the way fishing's going. Tight lines to you. Have a great uh, time and we'll catch you next time on The Big Fish. Kendall Kramer. Thank you. See ya. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.